0: Genesis chapter 12, verse 1. Now the Lord said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country, and from thy kindred, and from thy father's house, unto the land that I will show thee. And this reminds me of when Jesus in the New Testament said that unless we're willing to leave our families for him, we're really not fit for the kingdom of God. And so we always have to have God totally first in everything. He has to be the most important person to us, and our relationship with God has to be the most important relationship, even to the point that, like, you don't want to mess up your relationship with God over somebody else, and In my old age, I've really finally gotten to that point where no other relationship is worth losing Jesus. And it doesn't, doesn't matter what I could possibly gain from being with another person or having another friend or whatever it is. It's not worth losing Jesus. I'd rather have no friends, no family, but, but all that's from old age because, you know, there were many years that I didn't feel that way but I've made enough mistakes that I've learned that the only relationship that really counts is the relationship with Jesus. Two, and I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee and make thy name great and be thou a blessing. It is mysterious why, why did God pick Abraham? But we know two two things about Abraham. One thing we already know and another thing we're gonna learn very quickly. The part about Abraham that we already know is that he is in the direct line of Shem who is in the direct line of Seth. Seth was the third son of Adam and Eve who followed the Lord and Shem is the first son of Noah who also followed the Lord and Noah's father and Noah's grandfather followed the Lord. So it's, it's a family line where the patriarchs the, f- the firstborn sons have, for the most part, been following God, calling on his name. So that's one thing about Abram. The other thing that we're going to learn really quickly is Abram has just as much faith as Noah did. Abram 100% believes everything that God says. And God is the only God that he worships. He doesn't worship any pagan gods. So again, we're go- we are going to see examples of Abram's righteousness. And by righteousness, I don't mean he's perfect. I mean, his faith is perfect or near perfect. It's, it's the faith that God looks at. Do we really believe him? And a lot of times the reason that we sin is because we really, the bottom line is we don't believe God's promises and we don't believe who he is. We sin to get our, our own needs met, never trusting God to meet those needs. We sin in order to do it ourselves, get it done ourselves. So we rush into relationships, we rush into marriage, we rush into careers, because we want, 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 but we don't trust God to give us the things that we need. A lot of times that leads into sin, but with Abram, it's very different. Three, and I will bless them that bless thee, and him that curseth thee I will curse, and in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. So, because of Abram's family, all families are blessed, and we see that because Jesus Christ was in the line of Abraham, and because of Jesus Christ, every family on this planet can be saved. He died for everybody, and he lives for everybody. but most people reject him and don't don't receive salvation but he but he is a Jesus Christ is a blessing to everyone Now, a lot of people take this verse and they twist it and they say. That since it says, I'll bless all who bless you and curse all who curse you, that therefore we have to support the government of Israel. (laughs) And that's a really far stretch. I mean, that's a big, big leap. For one thing, the government of Israel is not the same thing as the Israelites. The Israelites are God's chosen people. The government of Israel controls the nation that God's chosen people are supposed to be living in. There's a big difference between the two. A lot of people in the government of Israel are not actually Israelites, and they don't worship God, and they don't follow him. And there's as much corruption in that government as there is in a whole bunch of other governments around the world. God wasn't saying that Christians have to support every single thing that the government of Israel does. But God was saying that anybody who supports a true Israelite will be blessed, and that's it. I'm using the word Israelite because that's what what it became modern. A lot of people argue that, that you have to say Hebrew or you have to say Israelite or you have to say Jew. The truth is they're all the same. The word just kept changing over the centuries, but it's the same people. Anyway, four. So Abram went as the Lord had spoken unto him. And again, there's another example of Abram obeying the Lord. And that is the number one and really the only way to be close to God is to obey him. And and by trusting him, it makes it easier, much easier, to obey him. Continuing on, and Lot went with him. And you remember, Lot is Abram's nephew because Lot's father died, so Abram basically kind of adopted Lot. And Abram was seventy and five years old when he departed out of Haran. Haran is the place where Abram's father stopped traveling. He didn't go all the way to Canaan like he should have. So God is now telling Abraham, You need to continue the journey and go all the way to Canaan. 5. And Abram took Sarai his wife, and Lot his brother's son, and all their substance that they had gathered, and the souls that they had gotten in Haran. And they went forth to go into the land of Canaan, and into the land of Canaan they came. So look what Abraham intended to do, he did. What God told him to do, he did. He finished the journey, and he went all the way into the land of Canaan. You'll remember the name Canaan. Canaan was the son of Ham, and Ham was the cursed son of Noah. And Ham's line, which we discussed in the last chapter, or is, a, is a long line of sinners and people who do not trust God. They turn to paganism, all kinds of stuff. The Canaanites were pagans. They didn't trust God and they didn't worship him and they didn't honor him. So now God is giving to Abram's family and all of his descendants the land that sinners now occupy. And eventually we'll see in in Exodus and on that, that they do have to fight the Canaanites and they do have to take over the land. They return again with Moses Um, But this is the first time that Abram's family is in the land, and God has taken away from the sinners the promise and given it to Abram, somebody who follows him. Now, when it says they gathered all the souls that they had gotten, this animals have souls. They don't have spirits because they're not in God's image. But they do have souls. So when the Bible says souls, it means human and animal. So it means all their cattle, including the sheep, the goats, everything, the cows and whatever, camels. They probably had camels too. Plus, in addition to that, all of their servants and all the people that were born into their family. Up to this point, Abram and Sarai have no children, but Lot certainly does. So it's Lot's children plus all their servants for both households plus all the cattle, and it's a lot of souls. It's hundreds and hundreds. We'll find out real quick here that both Abram and Lot are rich. Six, and Abram passed through the land into the place of Shechem unto the terebinth of More, and the Canaanite was then in the land. So Shechem is a place that it's a location that's going to come up in the Old Testament and the New Testament a lot, because when Abram came to the land of Canaan, that's what, what today we call Israel. It's the exact same land, okay? And the terebinth of Moray is a tree. It's an oak tree, some sort of oak tree, that like evergreen oak tree. But basically it's a landmark because it's this huge ancient tree. When you, know, when you see it, you'll know it. So it becomes a landmark in the Bible. Plus, if you're putting up a tent, you would naturally want to put it up by a tree for shelter, for protection, for a lot of things. When Abram was moving around, he would often tent next to the biggest tree he could find, and this is the tree of Moray. 7. And the Lord appeared unto Abram and said, Unto thy seed will I give this land, and he builded there an ark unto the Lord who appeared unto him. So Abram actually saw a vision of the Lord, and he's been promised that to his seed forever will be this land. So Israel forever is for the Israelites, forever. When God makes a promise, he means it. So that's never going to change. It doesn't matter how many countries try to fight against Israel. They're never going to lose their land. Eight. And he removed from thence unto the mountain on the east of Bethel, and pitched his tent, having Bethel on the west, and I on the east. Now Bethel and I are, are towns, and they'll come up over and over because they are in the land of Israel. And he buildeth there an altar unto the Lord, and calleth upon the name of the Lord. So remember that when Seth was born, that was the generation, I believe it was either Seth or his son, was the generation where people started calling on the name of the Lord and Adam's son Abel who was killed offered sacrifices to the Lord even in the second generation of life of human life they already knew that giving a sacrifice was a way of worshiping God and thanking him and acknowledging our trust of him and we talked about tithe and sacrifice in a previous chapter the thing about God is When we give him our money or anything that we have, we're showing him that we trust him to meet our needs. So we're always supposed to give him the best and the first of whatever we have. So the top of our paycheck, for instance, take the money for God off first and then live on the rest because it shows God trust that we trust that he's going to take care of all of our needs. And so that's what these people were already doing in the second generation, able was, was already giving sacrifices to God to show God that he trusted him to take care of all of his needs. And you see Abram's doing the same thing. Now, it says that he moved from, the, from where he was in Canaan, east of Bethel, but I was still east of him. And there he put up another altar and called on the name of the Lord. Nine, and Adam journeyed going on still toward the south. So he's kind of looking at the lay of the land. So he's journey, he's continuing to move throughout the land. 10. And there was a famine in the land and Abraham went down into Egypt to sojourn there for the famine was sore in the land. This point, because a famine hit Canaan, Abraham decides to temporarily leave. He's not going to leave for good, but he decides he's going to go to Egypt where he can get food. And this is a theme you'll see more than once in the Bible where people actually go to Egypt to get food or whatever, because it's a huge metropolis area, and they have everything. If you can't get your needs met out in the country, you can always go to your Egypt to get your needs met. I'll continue on with this verse. For the famine was sore in the land. Eleven, and it came to pass, when he was come near into Egypt, that he said unto Sarai his wife, Behold, now, I know that thou art a fair woman to look upon. She was beautiful. 12, and it will come to pass when the Egyptians shall see thee, that they will say, this is his wife and they will kill me, but thee they will keep alive. So Abram is saying, you're so beautiful that as soon as they see you in Egypt, they're going to take you and kill me because I'm your husband. And or else they would have killed Abraham because that way Abraham couldn't fight back and attack them. So that's probably the the most likely reason why they would kill him, because his wife is so beautiful they would want to take her as a concubine, the king, the pharaoh would. So he said to avoid all this mess, this is what we're going to do. 13. Say, I pray thee, thou art my sister, that it may be well with me for thy sake, and that my soul may live because of thee. So Abraham's telling Sarai, just tell everybody you're my sister. Now, she actually was his half-sister, which we'll learn later. But it's kind of like, um, it makes, it's like a lie without saying a lie. Because Abraham knew they'll never guess that he's, she's also his wife in addition to being his sister. Abraham knew they would think that she was single. 14. And it came to pass that when Abram was come into Egypt, the Egyptians beheld the woman that she was very fair. 15. And the princes of Pharaoh saw her and praised her to Pharaoh. And the woman was taken into Pharaoh's house. Now, you might think it's pretty crazy that a 65-year-old woman was seen as so beautiful, because we learn later that Sarah is 10 years younger than Abraham. And right now, Abraham's 75, which means she's 65. But considering that people lived so much older, In the early days of mankind, she probably looked more like 30 years old than 65 because people lived longer. There wasn't pollution that they were exposed to like we are today, and they didn't eat GMO food like we do. They cooked a lot of their own food from scratch, unlike us eating it out of packages and plastic. So they looked better. (laughs) They just, they aged better, way better than we do. She probably looked like she was 30. And she was very beautiful. 14. And it came to pass that when Abram was come into Egypt, the Egyptians beheld the woman that she was very fair. 15. And the princes of Pharaoh saw her and praised her to Pharaoh. And the woman was taken into Pharaoh's house. A lot of people claim that this means that Pharaoh had sex with her. But I don't think so because we see that this happens again later on. Abraham, he does this again to another king. Um, I'm not sure if it's Pharaoh again or a different different king. And in both cases, his wife never slept with a king. Because kings and pharaohs, they would collect wives like trophies. It meant that they had conquered that land or made friends with that land. So by taking Abram's so-called sister, it meant that he was friends with Abraham. It was an alliance was being formed. Because pharaohs and kings took so many women, all the women they took were in queue. It's a huge harem. So when she was taken, she was put in queue. She would eventually sleep with pharaoh, but not immediately. She could have been 10th down the list, 25th down the list, 100th down the list, um, because they were taking so many women all the time. But what happened was it made Abram pharaoh's friend instead of his enemy. If pharaoh thought they were married, then then Pharaoh would have killed Abram to get the wife. 16. And he dealt well with Abram for her sake. And he had sheep, oxen, and he asses, which means male donkeys, and men servants and maidservants, and she asses and camels. So female and male donkeys. This is all that Pharaoh gave Abram. So now Abram gets even more rich because of Pharaoh. 17. And the Lord plagued Pharaoh and his house with great plagues because of Sarai, Abram's wife. So Pharaoh knows he has enough religion to know that if he's getting a plague, it's because some god is unhappy with him. Now, Pharaoh worships many gods, but he knows that that somebody is unhappy with him, and it must be Abram's god. 18. And Pharaoh called Abram and said, What is this that thou hast done unto me? Why didst thou not tell me that she is thy wife? 19 why saidst thou she is my sister so that I took her to be my wife now therefore behold thy wife take her and go thy way so he was saying look there's your wife grab her and go I don't want her because you you have brought all these plagues on my household 20 and pharaoh gave men charge concerning him and they brought him on the way and his wife and all that he had so pharaoh actually takes his soldiers or his servants And he says, you guys make sure that they get out of this land. Escort them out. I don't want to have anything to do with them. And so Pharaoh is smart enough to know that he needs to totally get as far away from Sarai as possible so that the plague will go away. And that concludes Genesis chapter 12.